Pastor Mark Stugelmeyer hit a home run last week. Amen? Praise God, brother. I appreciate you. It, it's, uh, let me just say, as a pastor's heart, again, um, the opportunity to be able to step away from the pulpit uh, is not an easy thing. Uh, but when you know you've got people to step in, like a Pastor Dean and a Pastor Mark, uh, I, can. I can. I can go away with clear heart and clean conscience and know that uh, you guys are being fed and faithfully fed, and so I, I greatly appreciate uh, the message he brought. We were able to, to catch that once we kind of made it over the mountain, uh, and uh, by the way, it's good to see our, uh, our newest newlywed couple back with us, uh, Brittany and Matt. Yeah! <laughs> now listen, if y'all have any questions, you ask Chandler and Lauren. They've been married about two weeks longer than y'all, so <laughs> follow up with them. So, uh, guys, it's, it's been really cool. I, you know, a church goes in and out of seasons, right? I mean, there, it's just, that's life. We're in a generational relay race. And, and today we're going to be talking about a race, but I want to remind us, and we are reminded with just the very prayer needs today, the, 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 the bitterness and the sweetness that takes place in the life of a body of believers. But to God be the glory. I remember this time, I think last year, uh, actually, no, now it's been a couple of years ago, we were in that season of babies. <laughs> remember like when it's like we preached through uh, nine marks of a healthy church, and all of a sudden the marks started having, their family started having babies. <laughs> Some of y'all are uh, wondering well, if we're going to ever get to the book of John. I don't know. Any Johns in there? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I guess the next one should be math. <laughs> math. Anyway, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll shut up now. All right. Man, that one's teed up. I should have hit that one anyway. But we go in and out of seasons uh, as a church, and that's the, that's the journey of life. And if the Lord tarries, guys, we're going to find ourselves in different chapters. There's one thing I want to encourage you today with. No matter where you are on the journey, no matter what lane you're in in running your race, God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we must fix our eyes on Him, the author and finisher of our race. If you look at Pastor Jeremy, I promise you, I will fail you. I will. I don't intend to. I don't mean to. I don't want to. And it's not an excuse. But Jesus Christ will never fail Let's put our eyes on Him. Let's press on. That's what Paul is wanting to encourage the believers at Philippi today. And so as we read this passage of Scripture, I want us to, again, kind of, it's time to get back in the runner's block. All right? It's time to get in our lane. It's time to press on. It's time to look forward. It's time to move forward for the cause of Christ. And so I pray this morning this message will be an encouragement to us all. If you would, follow along in the reading. We'll pick up our reading in Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, 
I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Father, I pray you will bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word this morning for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So we left off in uh, chapter 3 where Paul had made the statement that he had forsaken the things of this world in order to know Christ. He was no longer caught up in, in what the world thought of as, as benefits or, or his own accomplishments. And you remember he went through a list of the things when he did a little comparison because he was exposing, exposing some of those false teachers there, some of those Judaizers that had been in their midst and, and, and were teaching uh, this idea that somehow you had to have Jesus plus the Old Testament rules and regulations. Paul said, look, if you want to have a, 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 a contest here, let, let me just tell you where I've come from. Let me tell you my resume. And you recall, he said those accomplishments he thought was getting him something, he realized in the end was worthless. It was dung. And he gladly surrendered those things for the knowledge of Christ, to actually know Christ, to be in an intimate relationship with Christ. He's no longer caught up in those things. He just wanted to be close to Jesus. He just wanted to be sure that, that this life that he lived in Christ made the difference. He said this, Philippians 3, again, just kind of recap, 8 through 11. He said, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and may be found, circle that one, in Him. That I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. Pastor Mark preached on the power of God, the power of the resurrection. Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, he says, look, I want to I know that power of the resurrection. And again, he has a, there in the previous section we talked about this, he nails justification, how he's justified because of the cross of Calvary. He talks about that same resurrection power that has delivered him from the penalty of sin is also the same power that delivers him from the, uh, the, the power of sin over his life, sanctification. He's able, because of that resurrection power, to now be free to walk in the graces of God. And then he talks about one day he will ultimately be delivered from the very presence of sin, which is glorification. And so these things have been laid out before us. And again, all of that has to do with the power of the resurrection of Christ. That's the same power at work in you today, believer. That ernego, that, 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 that word where we later in the 1800s get the word dynamite from, it's from that word, dunamis. 
the life-transforming and changing power. Do you have that transforming power in your heart and life today? If you have Christ, he who has the Son has life. And it's that same life that not only justifies you because of who Christ is and because of what Christ has done for you, it's also the same power that enables you to walk and run this race. Now, I looked for it and I couldn't find it. You know how it is with trophies of your glory days. They're usually put out in the shed or up in the attic and, you know, that's where they rightfully belong. And then one day they end up in a Goodwill store. And some youth pastor goes and gets it and says, hey, this would make for a good fantasy football trophy. Let's get it. But I was looking for my wife and kids gave me years ago this picture frame, and in this picture frame was a runner's number. Now, it was actually a number that I wore in my first ever race. I was 40 years old. Might have been actually for that one, because my 40-year-old was when I did the, the, the mini triathlon. So let me get my story straight. This is what happens when you get old. Your stories kind of merge, don't they? I remember I was in a diaper, and then all of a sudden I tackled that guy before. Oh, wait a minute. But it was my first ever, I know that's true, my first ever running race. And I'll never forget because Mark Gentry had, he had been running for a while when I first came to the church. And he said, you know, Pastor, you ever run? I said, dude, I don't run unless a dog's chasing me. <laughs> and uh, he said, you should try it. And it's really good. And so I, I made a little deal with him, which I need to call him and hold him to this because um, I said, all right, I'll do that. But I've always wanted to do a mini triathlon. I'll run this race with you. You run this mini triathlon with me. So anyway, maybe I need to call him. I'll just watch him because I don't think I can do anymore. But I, I, I kept my end, and we went to this uh, up to Goldsboro. It was the first ever race I'd ever run. And, um, man, I trained. I trained for that. And, uh, uh, and so for the longest time, I had this, this nice little picture frame in my office. had my runner's number. And also in there was a second-place medallion finish. Man, I was proud of that thing because I don't run. And now, I know you're thinking there was only two guys in the race, but I, I promise you there was a lot more. Yeah, there was three. Thank you. But I'm going to tell you, that guy in third place, I never seen anybody wheel as fast as that guy. I'm just That's terrible. Again, I don't know how many. I just remember for me, it was a very proud moment because I had never run a race before. I, I had no desire to run a race, but I had practiced and I had trained and I worked hard to get there. And I'll never forget the day that I was running that race. There were many times I felt like I just wanted to throw up. I wanted to give up. I wanted to quit. And there was this one guy, and I knew he was close to my age because we were both slow. But we kind of kept trading back and forth the whole race. And man, I, I just remember, I got to keep him in my sight. Because I felt like, you know, this guy, he's got to be close to my age. And so we just kind of traded off the first mile, second mile. And I'll never forget that third, that last mile that I was doing. And, and as I was running up the hill, I just I, I had to find that extra gear. I wanted to quit. I wanted to throw up. But I said, I can't. i got to push. i got to push. And I'll never forget, I made that last turn. And as I made that last turn, there was a long straightaway finish to the finish line. But I could see the finish line. I could see it. And I just thought, man, I got to get there. I can see it. I'm almost there. I can do this. I'm going to finish this thing. I'm not, and I didn't even walk. I'm still running. And I'll never forget about that time. Here come Mark Gentry right alongside me. Go, Pastor, go. And I, was, I remember it's like, hey, Mark is encouraging me to finish this race. I got this. 
I got this. And I was just going, and I started stepping it up as hard as I could, as hard as I could. I'll never forget it. When I went across the finish line, I hear the guy on the PA system. Man, that guy should have been running that fast the whole time. <laughs> There's always one in everybody. Were you there that day, Carver? Was that you on the mic? I thought that was, yeah. But I, I remember the moment, guys, and it was an encouraging moment because there was so much that I learned in that season of life. There were so many parallels that have served me well in my Christian walk, in my own race, and things that I hope will continue to encourage and inspire me in my walk, in my race. Much like that race, there are times we want to give up. There's a lot of times, man, it's just, I'm sick. I, I just want to quit. But we're reminded in that moment, guys, that our race is not over. i got to fix my eyes on the finish line. Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of my faith. Paul is encouraging the believers here a very similar thing. He is saying, look, you're going to run this race. And there's a way we need to run it. And so let's encourage ourselves today as we run our journey. The outline this morning is going to talk about the perfection of the race. Paul's going to discuss this idea of perfection of the race. What does that mean? We'll impact that. Then we're going to look at the purpose of the race. What is the purpose in this? And so, again, something we want to talk about and discuss here as well. And then the last thing uh, we hope to look at in this section of Scripture is the principles of the race. Again, when we run, there's a lane we run in. Okay? And that's important because we don't want to default outside of the lane. And so, again, some principles of the race uh, that will help govern us as well. So this is kind of where we're going if you're taking notes. Um, and, and hopefully we'll cover some of that territory today. But let's start again here at the start with the uh, perfection of the race. The perfection of the race. Uh, you'll notice here in the text, again, it says in, in 3.12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. One of the things uh, as we were uh, headed to the wedding um, this past week, I kept hearing this question. Ever been on a road trip and heard this question? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? you have kids, anytime you've been on the journey, this is like the, the question. Are we there yet? Well, as we read this text, there's kind of this question that's, that's being asked. You know, it, it, because again, it, Paul's just going through, again, context, remember the context. Paul's just going through laying out this kind of dissertation of these Judaizers who, in essence, were teaching perfectionism. Now, for those of you who do not know what perfectionism is, it's this idea, this uh, uh, ideology. It's, it's, it's a teaching that believes you can achieve sinless perfection. This side of heaven. Now, for a lot of us, we kind of think, wow, that, that, that seems kind of arrogant. And it is. Um, you'd be surprised how many good Christian denominations actually hold to this doctrine. United Methodists, Nazarene, the Nazarene Church, a lot of Assemblies of God. There's a lot of differing denominations that teach. By the way, John Wesley, 
espoused this idea. Now, this is what Paul, in essence, is, is dealing with. He's, he's sort of addressing this idea because, again, he's gone through this list. He's given his, his resume of things he's accomplished. He doesn't want the reader to be confused. Oh, well, Paul, are you saying that somehow we can arrive? No, we're not there yet. This is the point Paul's making. He's saying, look, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. We're not there yet. Okay? You're not there yet, Christian. You don't arrive at sinless perfection, this side of glory. And so, the Apostle Paul uh, is again wanting to kind of clarify this so that there's no misunderstanding in what he is saying. Paul is not talking about sinless perfection. Paul is talking about spiritual growth. Very important. We don't work to salvation because again, Paul is saying, look, if we could work to salvation, look at my resume. But because we have salvation, because of the grace of God that's at work within us, because of the power of the resurrection, because of who Christ is, because of His grace is sufficient, we work from salvation. Remember, He had just told us previously in, in, a, in a earlier in, in chapter 2 that we should work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Because it's God who worked in. Remember that? So again, the context of the passage here, he's continuing to develop this theme and this idea that no, uh, we don't work to salvation, but we work from salvation. And so he's highlighting here in this section spiritual growth. Now, you're sitting here today. I want to ask you this question. Are you ready to grow? Because I believe this would have been the prompting in the heart of the, of the person reading this letter. Are you ready to grow? I mean, are we, are we just going to play church? We're going to show up at church? We're just going to kind of be that in the sense of, just, I did my Sunday thing, now let's go have some pot roast. Or are we going to be the church? Because if we're going to run the race, guys, you don't hear the starting gun and just sort of stand there. But I think what happens is a lot of us kind of get going in the race and sometimes we start well and sometimes we kind of stagger. And that's okay. That's normal. That happens. Sometimes we'll hang out at the water table for a little bit, you know. <laughs> Whoo, boy, it's rough out there. You know. And I have another couple of those. All right. Yeah. Keep it up, guys. You're doing good today. Well, I tell you what, it is awful hot. Yeah. And we kind of camp out. We, we, if we're not careful, we can become stagnant in our race. We can slow down in our journey. And so Paul wants to encourage us. And so I ask the question, are you ready to grow? Two basic questions to know if you're ready to grow. I just want us to kind of think about this this morning. So, so are you ready to grow this morning? If you are, I want you to think about these questions. Number one, do you acknowledge that you failed God in the past? Yeah. Guys, we will never grow if we don't start here. First off, in order to grow, we need to know. We need to know Christ and we need to be known by Christ. And that comes through repentance and faith. And so if you want to enter the race, you've got to be in the race, you need a number. And that only comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He's paid our entryway. 
And because of that sufficient grace, we have been born again if we have put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. But we can only enter that race by acknowledging our sin and need of a Savior. And sometimes, again, in order to grow in life, we will hit different stages of the race that we have to constantly revisit. 1 John 1, 9. I acknowledge. And God's faithful. He'll forgive us. And He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can continue the race. The second thing, do you desire to become more like Christ? You're never going to grow if you don't desire to want to grow in Christ. The whole heart cry of Paul in this section of the Scripture is just that. To know Christ. I want to know Him. I want to know Him more. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want to know the suffering. Woof. You want to know the suffering? That's what Paul said. Notice verse 10. Paul said this. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul understands the justification, the sanctification, and one day ultimately the glorification is what he has in mind as the finish line. The wholeness of Christ. He wants to know. He desires to become more and more like Christ. Is that your desire today? And if it is, then you're on your way to growing in Christ. That I may know Him. power of his resurrection. MacArthur has a great article and he talks about this subject. And so I want to share these. I came across this, across this in my study and I thought, man, this is, this is good stuff. And so I want to kind of as a, a side note give you this. Um, Reasons to Grow by J. Mack. <laughs> anyway. Um, reasons why you should pursue the prize and run the race. All right, here's some reasons. If you're looking for some reasons today, I'm going to give you eight of them uh, as to why you should pursue the prize and run the race. First off, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. You should want to, if you've come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you recognize your sins have been forgiven. You recognize that apart from the grace of Christ, you are nothing. I am nothing. My life has been purchased. I want to glorify God. Paul says, I want to glorify God. So if you want to pursue the prize and run the race, first off, it glorifies God. And that's what a Christian is supposed to do with his life, is bring glory to God. Secondly, it verifies regeneration. Okay, if God's really done this work in your heart, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Well, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Is there a newness at work in your heart? Is there a new life approach? Is there new desire? This verifies regeneration. It makes demonstrable the fact that you are truly changed because you're in the progress of making it visible 
that your life is being changed. Again, are we there yet? Are we there yet? No. But we're on the journey. Thirdly, it adorns the truth. It lets you literally wear the truth of God so others can see it. Apostle Paul's in prison. He's been beaten for his faith. He's been betrayed. He's been persecuted. He's gone through some suffering. Oh, to know Christ and the fellowship of the suffering. For those of you reading the Word of Life Quiet Time books, have we not been experiencing this in, in our readings? Even this morning, in our reading this morning, John and Peter were brought back to the magistrates, to the Pharisees. They were told again, stop teaching this name Jesus. And they beat them. Second time, Gamal has said, hey, look, guys, this is of man, it's going to go away. But if this is of God, you're fighting against God. So let's just beat them and send them on their way. They beat them and sent them on their way. And you notice the scripture this morning said they considered it an honor to suffer for the name of Christ. Oof. It adorns the truth. It lets you literally wear the truth of God so others can see. Fourthly, it grants you assurance. When there is spiritual progress in your life, there is the sense that you belong to God because you can see His work and your calling and election become sure. You know, one of the reasons that most people struggle in their walk, in their race, is over this area of assurance. A lot of times it comes from being uh, involved in, in, a, in a church uh, where the doctrine of security is not uh, taught. Uh, again, this idea of a sinless perfection, I, I think, creates a, um, uh, this uncertainty, a fear, because am I living up to the standard? Am I doing enough to be right? You, you see, it becomes a very man-centered gospel, whereas to a Christ-centered gospel gives us the assurance that it's done. It's not about doing. I want to do because it is done. Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, really? That's a big shift in focus. So it, it grants you some assurance that you do belong to God. Not only that, it also uh, preserves you. It preserves you from the sorrows and the tragedies of spiritual weakness, which are not enjoyable to any believer at any time. I mean, been there? When you don't know what God says about your circumstances, you're sort of left flopping in the wind. There's, that can be very shaky ground when you're left to your circumstances. When Peter was walking on water, he had his eyes fixed on Christ, but the moment he started looking at the storm around him, man, he began to sink and he got fearful and he cries out to the Lord. And sometimes God allows us circumstances in our life to, to again, because our, our shift's going to change, our focus might change, but it's a reminder to get them back on Christ.
And so faith is to be cultivated. If we're going to grow, we need to cultivate our faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Furthermore, pursuing the prize, running the race, seeking the goal, protects the cause of Christ from reproach. It protects the cause of Christ from reproach. Because when you live a godly life and you pursue the goal, your life is consistent with the character of Christ and the character He upholds in Scripture, and thus, you're not a reproach to Him. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? We're under progress. Let's get back to the race. When we grow, sometimes we got to fall. Sometimes we suffer setback. Sometimes we blow it. Sometimes we get it right. But as we grow, it protects the cause of Christ from reproach. One of the biggest things you'll hear, excuse, and keep it for what it is, it's an excuse. The unbelieving world looks at the church and says, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites. They're not living up to the standard, if you will. They're not living up to Christ's likeness. They're right. We're, we're not. We can't. Now, it's again, it's not an excuse. Paul's going to hit both sides. I mean, he's, the pendulum's swinging. He started with the Judaizers, all right? And then it's going to swing to the, to the other side. And, and we're going to be looking at in the text coming up, uh, Lord willing, the next couple of weeks, of these guys who, the libertines, who, who think, hey, man, it's under the blood, so let's just live it up. It's not in legalism, and it's not in license to sin. Paul's going to hit both of these. But as we're growing, there should be this progress. There should be uh, this fruit that comes forth. You know, I, I had a setback just this past week. Again, um, a moment of growth in my own spiritual walk. We're coming back. I was very thankful um, for the opportunity to go and be a part of the wedding in, in Tennessee. Uh, and the timing was just providential because my mom's birthday fell on Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. There ain't no way I'm going to have an Easter Sunday off. I mean, that's like the Super Bowl of the church. But God in His providence, so had it be that some of our church members, the church folk are getting married on that weekend and wanted me to be a part of that wedding. Guess what? I got to go over the, over the mountain and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. <laughs> my mom was turning 70 on Sunday. I got to go celebrate my mom's birthday with her on Sunday. Never would have happened unless God worked it out. God worked it out. We were there celebrating. Now, I don't want to air out my dirty laundry, but Pastor blew it. I blew up at my mom on her birthday. Got a little frustrated in the flesh and, 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 and raised my voice to a level I probably shouldn't have with mom in front of all my kids. And it was a very fleshly response. And it was not pretty. I failed. I stumbled in that moment. And I was frustrated. No excuse. Spirit of God said, you blew it. 
but get it right. So I apologize to my kids who witnessed their dad. You've seen those cartoon characters where the face goes red and the smoke comes out. <laughs> that was dad. I had to apologize to all my children, and I apologize to my mom. Are we there yet? No. Again, not an excuse. But guys, sinless perfection is not something that we will achieve, though it's something we should pursue. Does that make sense what I'm saying? If we want to grow, and there's reasons we should grow, one of the things that protects the cause of Christ from reproach I was able in that moment to acknowledge it. Now, my mom, she knows me. She's known me all my life, right? Family forgives you more than anybody. Isn't it funny how, like, you can, like, punch your brother in the face many times growing up, and you're still brothers. But, dude, you, like, look wrong in a church, and somebody's already, you're off my Christmas list, you know? Growing moments, guys. These are growing moments for all of us. Protect the cause of Christ from reproach. Produces joy. This is another reason why we should grow. It produces joy and usefulness in your life. It produces, uh, uh, when you pursue the prize and run the race and grow spiritually, it produces joy and usefulness in your life, and thus you can minister capably to the church. You know why God saved us and gifted us and didn't take us home right away? Because He deposited in you a gift. His desire is that you use that spiritual gift for His glory, for His namesake, to edify one another, to build each other up, to encourage each other in the race. That's that mark running alongside you. Come on, Pastor, you got that. You're using your spiritual gift is in a sense doing that. It's building up the believers. It's spurring each other on to good works. We need to do more of that, church. And as we grow, we do that. When we begin to realize that it's not about me. <laughs> oh, my, Becky. Anyway, it's not about... I was, sorry, I was a different song. I wasn't talking about this, Becky. But anyway. <laughs> I'm glad you're my friend, Becky. She knows my humor. But as we begin to realize that it's not about us, that it's about the Lord, His work... As I grow in my faith, I begin to experience a joy that passes the circumstances, the understanding of the circumstances. Again, that doesn't mean we don't have bad days, man. We have some terrible days. But I can be at peace with the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. I mean, Paul's hit this over and over in Philippians about the joy and the rejoicing and the joy. And guys, if we're going to run this race realizing there's different legs where sometimes it just stinks, it's not fun. But praise the Lord. There's a finish line. We can do this not in our strength, but by His strength. It produces this joy and usefulness in our life so we can minister capably to the church. God's given you that gift to be used to encourage one another and to finally enhance your witness to the lost world. You want to know why we need to be growing, Christian? Because there's a lost world that needs what you have. And we need to allow that power of the resurrection of Christ 
to work within us, to encourage us, to motivate us, to press on. Now's not the time to lay down. Now's not the time to stop. Now's not the time to give up. Now's not the time to sit by the water cooler and take a break for an extended period of time. It's time to go. It's time to move. Some of you were just singing the Toby Mac song in your head. I know. We're getting there. The perfection of the race. Here's what Paul's saying here in the Scripture. Notice again, verse 12. He says, look, I'm not there yet. Not that I've already attained. He's being real clear. All right, I know I just gave you my resume of all the good... Again, I'm doing a little comparative here with these Judaizers who think they are perfect. Okay? Those perfectionists. But I'm letting you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm not there yet. I'm not already attained. I'm not already perfected. But I press on. That's the purpose of the race. We see the perfection of the race, but remember Dr. Bowman used to say, man, preachers, anytime you come across a big butt in the scripture, you better pay attention. You better see it. This is one of those big butts here. But I press on. That's the purpose of the race. If God wanted to take you home, He'd have took you home when He saved you. When He justified you and said, not guilty. They're one of mine. They've been bought with the blood of Christ. Not because of anything they've done. Not because they've kept the law. Not because they go to church every Sunday and go to grandma's for the pot roast. No, they are mine because the shed blood of Jesus Christ has paid it in full. It's finished. Before the foundation of the world began, Christ knew you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in perfect fellowship. And you and I are known in Christ. This is why Paul, this is why he says this. He says, man, I want to know Christ in the power of His resurrection. I want to know every aspect of Him. My desire is because when I realize what He's done for me, that when I met Him on the road to Damascus, when my eyes saw the Lord, I want to know Him. I want to know Him in that intimate, relational. And so He enters into that relational at the moment He says, I do. In the moment that we say, I do, to Christ, we are in Him. But guys, what is to be known is not yet known. And so we grow in sanctification, in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so as we continue to feed, as we continue to feed the spiritual man, we grow more and more. We get a little stronger in our race. We move from whining and crying and pooping our diapers to actually crawling. And now we're up, you know, toddling and running. And now all of a sudden I'm in a full-on sprint. You blink, it happens. Right, Varner kids? Purpose of the race is to press on. Notice what he says here. And so in point two, as we press on. By the way, this word press on here is the Greek word for an athlete. It is a sprinter. An aggressive, energetic action. Paul pursued sanctification with all his might. 
Can we say that's how we're following Christ? Is that, is, am I, if, by the way, in the Greek here, there's these two, um, I'll just say prefixes, and that's not the proper term, it's not coming to me right now, but, but ep and ek, and they're put together. So the idea here is this, there's this double emphasis. And so the idea is stretching this athlete, stretching his muscle, and then stretching it even further than he can stretch. I mean, he is just stretching with every ounce of his being. That's what Paul is saying here. When, when under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he uses this word. He's straining every spiritual muscle to win the prize. Because we're in a race. And we're to run that race as one who runs to win the prize. Now, the prize is not salvation. We have that. So what is the prize? What, what, are, what, what is the goal? Hang tight. We're going to get there. The word translated press on is the word diako. It's used here as part of a race analogy. It can also be translated pursue or persecute. In fact, Paul said earlier in Philippians 3 that he was at one time a persecutor, diakon of the church. Remember when Paul was saying at one time I was a persecutor of the church? Same root word. While Paul, get this, this is pretty cool, while Paul was pursuing followers of Jesus to kill him, Jesus was pursuing him. Oh, that's good. Let me read that again. While Paul was pursuing followers of Jesus, Jesus was pursuing him. When Jesus took hold of Paul, he told him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Acts 9.4. Same word. Now that Christ Jesus has taken hold of him, Paul is pursuing something different. What is it? That Christ has taken hold of him for? It's the prize. Paul talks about in verse 14, which is full knowledge of Christ, which he will not attain until the resurrection. Christ has taken hold of Paul that Paul might one day fully take hold of him. Christ has placed in the heart of Paul partial knowledge and the hope of full knowledge. Oh, man, that's good. That's a motivator, baby. Woo! I mean, I got a little hope in my heart. I don't yet know Christ as I'm fully going to know Him one day, but I like what I see. I'm keeping on. Anyway, in this way, he pulls Paul along. Paul responds by pressing on. I don't know about you, but with God pulling, and you and me pressing, that's a race we can run. Amen? <laughs> that's good. By the way, Pastor Scott Grant, that little section I just read right there, man, that's good stuff. How can I not share that stuff? That's good stuff. Anyway, press on, press on, press on. Chuck Swindoll said it this way. Um, I thought I had that quote up here. Maybe I didn't. Hmm. Oh, well, if it repeats, you'll know what I was talking about. Chuck Swindoll said it well. God is seeking progress, not perfection. 
God provides the perfection. Work out what God's worked in. Oh, there it was. Thank you. Put that back up there, boss man. You good stuff. Can you go back to that real quick? That's awesome. God is seeking progress, not perfection. Again, He provided the perfection. That's what got you in the race. But now we're in the sanctification leg of it. So we need to progress. God's not looking for you to be perfect. Don't think you're going to achieve that. You're not. But you know what? Work towards it. Be holy for I'm holy. If I'm going to represent Christ to the world around me, I need to look more and more like Christ. And sometimes we fall down so that we can get up. So, the purpose of the race. The purpose of the race, he says, I'm not apprehended, but this I do. Forgetting those things behind. Forgetting those things behind. Notice verse 13. We'll pick up our reading there. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Now, <clears throat> there, there's some, uh, some com- comment, commentary here that, that says Paul is being smart-alecky here. He's been a little sarcastic. I want to entertain this for a second. because. Notice what it says, and I shouldn't say smart alecky because that probably, you know. but, but there is some sarcasm here. Again, he, who's he been talking about in context? He, he was talking about the Judaizers, and he did use some sarcasm. He, he referred to them as, as dogs, right? I mean, look here in Philippians. He, he started off by saying, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, Beware of the mutilation. Remember, he used to play on words there because he used a, a different word for circumcision. He used mutilation. Circumcision meant cut around. He used the word cut off. I mean, I actually am encouraged with that because sometimes I think God's given me the gift of sarcasm. I mean, you know, I'm just, y'all saw my latest shirt I put up on our Facebook page. It said, uh, you know, something to the effect if, 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 you know, sarcasm helps you lose weight. Um, anyway, I'll be pretty good. Um, something to that fact. But I think Paul is... He, so, so what he says here in this text, he says, um, notice again in, in 3, in, in verse 13, he says, um, Brethren, I do not come myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, here it comes, verse 15, let us as many as are mature... Have this mind. All right, so kind of like saying, all right, so you think you're, you, you perfectionists, you, you people who've arrived, all right, if you think you're there yet, let's think about this. Um, Paul says, look, I, I, I've not arrived here, and you hadn't either, kind of in a roundabout way he's saying that. You ain't either. And, if you, and, and so he's going to show a little grace in response, though. He says, um, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, so if you think you're there, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that. I'm going to leave it to God. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to argue with you. Because, again, this teaching has made its way in there. 
And so some people sat under these Judaizers, and sometimes they've sat in the quote-unquote Methodist church or the Nazarene church, and they're believers, they're brothers and sisters in Christ, but they're holding on to some of this false teaching that's crept in through good guys. Wesley's a good guy, right? He missed it on that doctrine. And so Paul's in essence saying here, look, I'm going to leave those things to God to reveal to you. And sometimes isn't that what we got to do? I mean, sometimes that's okay, guys. We just got to say, you know what? I'm just going to commit it to him who judges righteously. Just leave it, just leave it be. Sometimes that's all we can do. And that's okay. Here we see that example here. Paul started off talking about warning about these guys, and I think here he potentially is using a little sarcasm to say, okay, you know, if you think you've arrived, all right, that's fine. Listen, I'm going to let God reveal this to you. But Paul says, I've not apprehended. But this I'm going to do. I'm going to forget my own self-righteous deeds, those things that are behind me, because those things are dung. But I'm going to reach for those things that are ahead. Sometimes, guys, here's what's the best thing you can do in your Christian walk and journey to help you grow. Let go of the past. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, sorry, we'll save that one for, yeah, another day. Forget those things, guys. And I know sometimes it's hard. But you don't know, preacher. You don't know what, you don't know. You're right, I don't, but I do know the one who does. And he will judge it rightly. Because you and I won't. Again, you, you heard me say this, I'm going to bring it up again. I, I've been using this a lot lately because that meme just drives me crazy. It's a six. It's a nine. No, it ain't. It's a 19. The one's still on the wall. It fell off. Now shut up and move on. You see it one way, and you're right. Man, you know you're right. That's a six. I know it's a six. I've seen a six. I've drawn a six. I know a six when I see a six. Are you stupid? Anybody can see that's a nine. You're just a bonehead, stubborn, arrogant. It's a nine, so suck it. And maybe don't say that, but anyway. <laughs> One still on the wall, and whatever that was fell off. We can get into the semantics of it. Guys, at the end of the day, here's the point. Sometimes we just get to a place, you know what? We're going to agree to disagree. I love you in spite of, because you're my brother. It's under the blood, and one day we'll laugh about it in heaven. Praise God. Let's move on. Press on. We can't live in the past. Did we not learn this when we went through uh, Haggai? Haggai. Remember, the temple was rebuilt, and all the young people were like, man, that's awesome. Check it out. Awesome sauce, awesome sauce. I mean, this thing is cool, man. Look at that. That is good. And the older people were there. <laughs> it's terrible. It doesn't look anything like what we used to have. Oh, I remember when we used to, oh, we used to have the temple, and it was glorious and all was the Holy Spirit in the old temple? Was the Holy Spirit in this temple? Is he going to be there? Yes, yes, yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Move on. Too often times what happens is churches, they get stuck in a leg of the race. Don't live in glory days. We'll let Bruce Springsteen stay there. All right? Let's be Toby Mac and we'll move on. Forgetting those things behind. Reaching to those things ahead. Reaching to those things ahead. Therefore, 
Again, the purpose of the race, we see these things. The purpose of the race, we press towards the goal. Press towards the goal for the prize, for the upward call. You want to know what the goal and the prize is? The same thing. The prize and the goal is the same thing. It's Jesus Christ. Christ likeness. Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to be known by Him. And he understands that he's not there yet. But he knows one day he will be. Church, can I encourage you, encourage you this morning? We're not there yet. But one day we will be. And we'll see him as he is. And we'll be known as he is. That's worth the pursuit. That's worth you and I dusting ourselves off, stepping away, and getting back in the race. Press on. Move. Keep walking. Right? Keep moving. Let's, let's close in prayer. Father, remind us to keep our eyes on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who's mapped out the race for us. There's a lane to run in. We're going to talk more about this in the days ahead. Lord, we see that the perfection of the race has been supplied by Jesus Christ. We, we don't do because it's done. But because it's done, we do. Help us to understand that as followers of Christ. And Lord, help us to press on. To pursue that upward call in Christ. We know there's a resurrection day coming. Paul wanted to know the power of the resurrection that not only justified him, but sanctified him. And one day he knew that upward call would be to glorify him. Lord, may we understand that in our race as well. There's a finish line. I see it. There it is. Now's not the time to stagger. Now's the time to run. Press forward. There's the prize. There's the goal. This is what it was all about. There's the WD, the well done medallion. The crown that Christ desires to give you. Just on the other side, press on. There's brother so-and-so. You got this. You got this. Lord, by your grace, by your power, may we begin to run again for your glory, for your glory, and for our good. We'll give you the praise as we thank you this glorious day. In the name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, and all of God's runners said, Amen.